Hey friends, thank you for uh, coming back to this kind of cover to cover unpacking the intimate God. Uh, we are here with Alan Craft, the author, um, as well as KJ Tenza, one of our pastors here on staff. And KJ, it's cold and flu season, and you're here. Not and feel- I'm experiencing not feeling- <laughs> it, and, and I'm trying to see all the things God has for me yes. during this experience. You might sound a little different yeah. than last time, and hopefully next time you'll sound even better. So. It's pretty cool. <laughs> well, thank you for being here, even in the midst of that. Um, so Alan, today we actually get to kind of dive into the meat of this book and this first chapter, Yep. Um, which I'm excited because this, this one in particular... Um, I think just sets the table for the rest of the book. I feel like this yeah. is kind of the foundation piece that you have to um, experience in order to be able to experience more. Um, and so just so you're all aware, this first chapter is how does God feel about you? And I, I think one of the questions I would love to start with um, is why do you think so many Christians struggle with the concept um, of feeling God's love on a personal level? Yeah, that's such a great uh, question. And um, I mean, I can only speak at some level from my own journey, probably. Um, I think um, there were a lot of um, internal things going on in me, um, really being disconnected, I think, from my heart. And so um, some lies that I have believed, you know, based on certain things in my past. And so I think that's part of the problem is that people can't even imagine that God would accept them and love them because we sometimes carry a lot of shame mm-hmm. about who we are or what we've done. Um, so I think that's a that's a huge one for a lot of people. Yeah. And that's why I think we in the church, we talk about God's love and John 3.16, and we, we sort of know the Sunday school answer, mm-hmm. but I don't know if people, how deeply we're truly living in God's delight. You know, love, that's almost like he tolerates us, yeah, he loves us because of Christ, he loves us. You know right, what I mean? There's sort right. of this weird... Um, and it's more of a it's it's more of a visceral thing where, well, because of Jesus, he tolerates us and loves us, but he doesn't really like us, you know. And and there's something that I think needs to be shifted in us um, with the help of the Holy Spirit that we actually could live in the Father's delight. Yeah, you, you dropped a term there, uh, delight and. Delight. If I close my eyes and I think about what that is, it's um, this experience of, of joy. It's an experience of this unconditional type of, I don't know. It's like God just saying, I love you. And it's like just joy and I don't care. And um, going back to the question, how's it, how's it so hard to experience that? It, is there something that the church has done over time that it's built the love of God to be very conditional? Mm-hmm. So, so, so it is true that Jesus loves you if it's it's true that God's going to accept you. However, um, those types of uh, messages, yeah, mm-hmm. that that, and then the, there's that like. How am I going to add up? How am I going to accomplish this? How am I going to achieve God's love? And I don't think people are doing that on purpose. No. But it's 
there is this very conditional heartbeat that I have to show up hard for God to even see me. Mm-hmm. And so, so the first chapter of this the book, it kind of like turns that whole thing on its head of like, like God is dancing over you. Yeah. And that's that's beautiful. Absolutely. It's a hard concept to accept, you know, and I was talking with a girlfriend last night actually and uh, she's very excited about going through this, you know, through the book and everything. And she was like, I feel like I have all of this like biblical knowledge, but I don't have enough heart knowledge. Mm. And like, that's what she's like seeking in this is. And when she said that, I was like, that's exactly what this is. Like, this is giving that heart knowledge based on the biblical, you know, Yeah. and it's learning how to really believe it. Yeah. And it is so odd that we... We do. We we have the theology correct. Mm-hmm. So often in churches at some level, you know, where we know God loves us and we can quote these verses, but there is this disconnect in actually experiencing and mm-hmm. actually feeling like he delights in me. Um, and I think that's, um, that's really what this first chapter is trying to wade into uh, experientially at some level. Right. We want people to... Um, understand the principle, but then to lean into some of the resources I think that God has given us to help us actually experience um, his love and delight. I love that. So one of the things you mentioned is the concept of whole brain spirituality. Right. Okay. So I would love, first of all, if you want to dive into that a little bit on what that, you know, is, Uh I know you do in your book, but kind of letting people listening know. Um, But also, was there a time that you specifically engaging your right side of your brain, did it transform you? What was that moment like? Like, Yeah. So, I mean, I think that concept of whole brain spirituality um, was a result of interacting with some material a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. our directional team went through this as well, this book um, called The Other Half of Church. And it opened my eyes to the reality of um, one that we, we all know that, you know, God created our brains um, with two sides. And again, this is, I'm not a neuroscientist. It's a, what? If you're listening out there and you are, forgive the but generalities. so good. <laughs> yeah. But... <clears throat> But the the reality is there are two sides of our brain and they process information differently. And um, so the the, the left side of our brain tends to be where ever since the Enlightenment, I think we have, as Christianity has kind of been stuck there. It's information, it's podcasts, it's uh, content, it's Mm -hmm. sermons, you know, it's, it's this that we will be transformed by the more information we have. And so... There's nothing wrong with information, but I think the the problem is that has kind of been the locus of our our spiritual experience for the most part is the left brain. So that's why this book, this whole idea of the right brain, the right side of our brain processes information. Actually, it processes it faster than the left side, which is fascinating, which is why you intuitively may experience things. You walk into a room, you intuitively experience something faster than your your brain, your left side of your brain could actually assess the data, which is pretty fascinating, but that's, that's a, a little bit off topic. But so, but what that opened my eyes to that concept was that, man, I think so much of my own spiritual journey has been left brained. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think there's been an inability to truly experience things like delight 
and joy. Even identity is really a right brain mm-hmm. thing. That's that's you know where we we're, we're feeling our identity, not just knowing about it, but we're actually experiencing our identity. And so I think that. Um, concept is huge for us, spiritually speaking, in terms of, of, of what it means to actually experience God. Um, and that whole delight thing then is huge because right. that's, that happens in the right side of our brain. And um, I talked in the book about how this is wired into us as, mm-hmm. as human beings. And that's why with little children... Young children were always, you know, when, when, when they look up and they see the face of an adult, they want to see someone delighting in them. And when they see that, you know, that delight, it actually does something physiologically in their brain. It creates a sense of attachment to the one that is looking and delighting in them. But it also releases joy and a sense of security, identity, that I'm okay just in who I am, I'm being delighted in. So you think about from the moment of birth, this is wired into us. Mm-hmm. But then over time, our, I don't know, our, our Christianity, our theology, <laughs> right, we become adults and it becomes about, I gotta earn this, I gotta work mm-hmm. for it. And God couldn't possibly it's uh, easier. like me. It, it is. Yeah. It's easier to, to kind of gravitate towards that. Yeah. And the, the odd thing is, like, as parents, we intuitively get this right. with our children. We, we intuitively get this. <laughs> I was talking with a young dad the other day, and, and, uh, and, and just his struggle to experience God's love for him. And then I just drew this analogy, but that's not how you think about your child. Intuitively, as parents, you know, for those who are parents, you intuitively know this, or grandparents, that the delight, we delight, I'm delighting in my grandson, right. not because of his behavior, but just because of who he is. And so that's the odd thing to me is that intuitively in life experience, um, we have these connections, being a, being a child in a parent relationship or being the parent. And we have these connections, but it's so hard for us to make that jump so that we actually experience right. that in our relationship with God. We almost go to the the God place, you know, like I can delight in my child and everything like that, but I can't see myself as being the delighted child. Right. Huh. Right. And that's huge. I think that's what, if anything, this chapter hopefully drives home is that is huge. Really, if we, if we miss this, if we skip over this, um, I think we're missing something really huge yeah. that gets at the, the heart of why we would even want to hang out with God and why we would want to even follow him and serve him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a response to his love. But... Um, when we miss that, when we don't lean into that, I think we end up in a relationship with God where we're doing the right things, we're having a quiet time, whatever it happens right. to be, but we are missing um, that delighted in relational component that is so huge. All right, so I got to ask this because here, <laughs> here's what I'm thinking. Um, you're talking about the whole whole brain spirituality. In the past, I've heard you talk on the topic of 
joy and d- delight. And you you brought up this term of wholehearted spirituality. Yeah. How does whole brain spirituality and wholehearted <laughs> spirituality hold hands? Because it seems that a lot of the things that, that you are trying to bang the drum for here is this experience of God's heart and the human heart combining, but through a whole brained experience. I haven't really thought about that. I mean, um, in scripture, you know, the heart is really the core of who we are. It, It tends to be the place of our emotions, our longings, our desires, our passions, but it also, there's a thinking component to the heart from a scriptural perspective. And so, I don't know about the uh, using language. Um, I think they're probably talking about the whole thing. What I what I feel like when I talk about whole brain spirituality is I want to engage. I want us to engage the left and the right side of our brain. Right. So I want us to experience the truth that we are we mm-hmm. understand. When I'm talking about wholeheartedness, it's I think it's taking that to a deeper level. It's 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 actually in the right side of our brain, but it's this idea that we are experiencing our real selves. So I'm bringing my whole self to God. We'll talk about that next Next week. week. (laughs) But the idea of wholeheartedness is that I'm aware of my own heart and I'm opening that. I'm bringing my real heart to God, not this false heart. And so that's where I feel like wholeheartedness is this journey of being whole, being real before God and welcoming him into these places in our hearts that we're ashamed of. Mm-hmm. But again, the foundation it for that, starts. I think, is yep. it, right. It's beginning to wade into experiencing mm-hmm. and the reality of his absolute delight in us. It, is it possible, though, that the thing, the barrier that keeps us from experiencing God's delight is that fear of if I bring my whole heart, Oh, absolutely. it'll be like, absolutely uh, no. I mean, like, <laughs> Not that there part. are parts of this I give you a thumbs up on, but then there's some Absolutely. of this is pretty yeah. shady. And yeah. so I was thinking about that like, idea of being wholehearted and how can I get there and how can I experience God's joy over me if I'm afraid if he actually sees me. Yeah. But there's this concept that he does see you, all of yeah. you, and he delights in all of you. Yeah. It's really true. Yeah. And I think I don't want to yeah. get too much into week two. Yeah, on that. I'll stop you. Don't okay. worry. <laughs> but that's absolutely where we go in yeah. week two. Yeah. I think, first yeah. of all, in, in week one, we're really looking at the concept of kind of whole brain spirituality. What does it look like to engage our the right side mm-hmm. of our brain? Um, and then some, you know, some tools, the yeah. fact that the Holy Spirit is wanting to help us in this and also this idea of biblical imaging. So once we have those concepts and we begin to wade into those tools, Mm -hmm. then I think what you're talking about, KJ, is so, so important. And I think too, having that, you know, having the exercises there and walking you through becoming vulnerable, you know, and I think that is what kind of breaks that, at least for me, that's what broke the barrier of, you know, like, can I bring my whole self? Because you do get walked through this, like, well, here it is, you know? And I think experiencing that is going to be huge for people. Yeah, I hope so. So kind of to close this out, just as readers progress, you know, through your book and everything, like what transformation specifically with this chapter or changes are you hoping that they experience? Yeah, I really hope people um, are, um, 
are willing to kind of step into places that may be new to them. I think for many people, mm-hmm. the idea of biblical imaging is going to be a, a new concept. And, and, um, and for some, I think it'll be, you know, a little bit of a nervousness about it um, <clears throat> because it's so new. And, and, but I really want people to understand that it is thoroughly biblical. Um, God made our brains the way he made them for a reason. And many of us, most of us, the way our brains work is that we, we picture things. If, I'm ask, if I ask you, where's, where's your car parked right now? You, you don't see words. Right. I see my car in the alley. You know, I just, if you were to ask me how many windows are in our house, you know, I would, I would picture our house in my mind. And so it's something we use all the time instinctively, why not use it in our relationship with mm-hmm. God? And so the, the idea is, what if we place ourselves in um, the story of Scripture? What if we place ourselves in the boat when the storm is happening and Jesus is asleep? What if we would place ourselves in Psalm 23, not just cognitively, right. But what if we actually imagine it? Because so often scripture is pointing us that direction. You can't read Psalm 23 without imagining what the psalmist is describing. And I think that's actually the purpose. He is he's wanting to enga- us to engage the right side of our brain. So the first thing I would just say is, um, if this is new to you, that's totally okay. It's all we're doing is leveraging scripture, using scripture, and we are awakening a part of our brain that God gave us to experience that passage in a, in a deeper way. And it so, also is, yeah. is doing something else that I think is, is, is on the same topic is, is people talk about the Bible as alive. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's engaging the fact that it's it's happening. Yes. I had a college professor who talked about the truth of the Bible isn't only that it had happened, but it's that it is happening right. and it's going to happen. Mm. And so as Christians, our goal is to experience and participate in the truth of the Bible. And so the thing you're doing is you're inviting people to participate in the story that actually is their story. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Otherwise, it's just um, words on a page. And I think this enables it to really come alive. alive. Um, And we're simply using, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. We've all heard that. We're Mm -hmm. simply using the way God has made us to open up our hearts to experience a truth in scripture in in a deeper way than simply cognitively. And so that's my heart and desire is that people would really go there, place themselves like in the prodigal son story in that exercise or some of the other exercises. And just, even though it may be new, see what happens in that and see how the Holy Spirit might want to bring truths alive in your heart of of God's delight in you just because of your willingness to engage um, that other part of the spiritual life. And I love how delighted you are in just talking about it. (laughs) 
Hey guys, uh, we're going to end there, but we, uh, we would love for you to engage more in this. You can head over to allencraft.com. Um, we've got lots of resources there. The exercises are there. There's the podcast obviously is there. Uh, we also have some group discussion notes if you're walking through this with a group. So we encourage you to do that um, and join us next week as we go into stillness. Cool. Thanks. Thanks.